0: Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hi, this is Henry Gilra, co-executive producer of Star Wars Rebels. You're listening to Aggressive Negotiations. Well, hello and welcome to Aggressive Negotiations, that bright center of the galaxy that you just can't stay away from. I am one of your hosts here, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as he is always, the inimitable John Mills. Master John Mills, actually.
1: Yes, I was about to amend that and say, hey, 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 why am I not a Jedi Master? But uh, We're not the monkeys, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but I missed my opportunity, I guess, to... Uh, to protest not being elevated to the rank of master yet sitting on the council. It's an outrage. Take a seat, young Mills. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can you imagine? I always kind of think of uh, if uh, Fishburne had been
1: Mace Windu. That would have been very interesting. At the end of the day, I'm really glad it was Sam Jackson because I I really dig... What he did with that role, but Fishburne would have been you a very... You dig those styles he wears? I dig everything Man, about I am just swimming.
0: going with the song lyrics tonight.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely.
0: <laughs> but, uh, hey, yeah, welcome everybody to Aggressive Negotiations. As you can tell, John and I are in a lively fashion tonight. It's actually been um, such a busy year, and we're so excited to be here. Thank you so much for listening. We really just want to say, as we're kind of approaching the end of the year... Uh, I want to take a moment and just say thank you to everybody who listens to Aggressive Negotiations. Uh, you know, we said that in our Thanksgiving episode, but honestly, it can't be said enough. You guys are great listeners. We love interacting with you all over the place. Uh, of course, Twitter is a great place to do that. You can follow us. We'd love it if you would. At the Jedi Masters is a great place to talk to both John and I there on Twitter for the show account. And then the whole network is at Join Nerd Party. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, we are. Everywhere these days, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker. I mean, just wherever you get your podcasts. But we'd like to ask you, wherever you're listening, wherever that is, just uh, subscribe to us. Um, Because that way, the moment we drop an episode, you'll get it. And then if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, give us a star rating and review. It really does help the show grow. There are a lot of Star Wars podcasts out there. So show your support for Aggressive Negotiations by doing that for us and help more people find the show. Uh, And heck, you can do that all over the place, too, by just sharing us on social media and all those kind of things as well. And... Again, just uh, come talk to us. Uh, hashtag aggressive negotiations. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com/theNerdParty. We're on the web at thenerdparty.com. And then maybe, just maybe, uh, you would really like to to talk to John and me, and I in maybe a more private way. Uh, and the best way to do that is to send us an email. Go to, to thenerdparty.com/contact. Choose a show. Choose aggressive negotiations. And then that email comes to John and I will be able to talk to you. So, uh, John, with, uh, all that out of the way, you know, we've been slowly making our way through the soundtracks of star Wars. And we are going to wrap up, uh, the, uh, the George Lucas era with, um, the return of the Jedi soundtrack, which I know return of the Jedi is one of your all time favorite star Wars films. Uh, And so going into this, I was kind of wondering how you felt uh, about the score. I mean, we waxed eloquent about all uh, of the things that Williams was able to do in The Empire Strikes Back. But how do you feel about Return of the Jedi? And is there anything when you think of the soundtrack for Return of the Jedi that does set it apart from, of course, what we now have as those six Lucasian films?
1: You're right to point out. Return of the Jedi is uh, pretty much a comfortable second in my uh, my overall esteem for Star Wars movies. Uh, the score I have a very very emotional long history with, and it's impossible to discuss it without talking about that. The Return of the Jedi soundtrack. I still have my original. Well, I still have my original LPs of all of the uh, original soundtracks. The Return of the Jedi soundtrack, though, was one that always resonated with me. I always came back to it, even though it was uh, the first one to be struck low by the single LP release, uh, thereby limiting the amount of music that we got. I've always, always enjoyed it. I've always loved it. I've always. I remember sitting with my my old the old headphones on our old stereo set that was in the uh, the the main family room and I would just sit there in the chair Mm -hmm. with the headphones on listening to it, just nonstop listening to it, Uh, memorized it backward and forward. And as a matter of fact, when I bought a new record player, the first thing I did was I listened to the Return of the Jedi soundtrack again because I adore it. I truly adore it. But I think that it suffers a great deal from a single LP release, just as I think that Return of the Jedi uh, visually suffered the most of the original three by from pan and scan, which was the only way we could watch it at home for a very mm-hmm. long time, till the 90s. Letterboxing widescreen made me realize the beauty of Return of the Jedi visually for the first time. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then when they released the expanded set, that four-disc set that included the music from when Luke and Vader are having their confrontation and Luke flips out on him, and it has the uh, the actual film version of certain cues and stuff like that. I suddenly appreciated the Return of the Jedi soundtrack even more. And then when they had the another go with the expanded versions when the special editions came out, I think that this is the masterwork uh, of the original trilogy. This is, I think, in, in an aural sense, everything that was beautiful and great about Return of the Jedi is expressed in its music. And if if I have a default, this is the one I go to when I'm listening to soundtracks.
0: As I was listening to it this week, really, you know, and and anytime we're going to do one of the soundtracks, I legitimately pretty much listen to this, that soundtrack and that alone uh, for days. Just letting it be on repeat, just, you know, kind of soaking, marinating in it. One of the things that really struck me was how this, uh, I I feel like it's this very cohesive whole of a work and it feels much, it feels as Wagnerian as possible. Uh, It feels so operatic. Um, You even have certain movements in this, the soundtrack. I mean, I think you, at the beginning of it, It is um, kind of dark and very moody. Um, You get a few light moments with like when the droids are captured and those kind of things, yeah. But, um, and then it breaks out, you know, of course, when you get to the sail battle assaults, which just livens everything up. And then it kind of goes back to being moody again. And, And the whole soundtrack has these different waves. And then... Of course, you get to Endor with the Ewoks and everything takes a very kind of whimsical nature to it. And then the battle starts to happen and you even have movements there because you have Battle of Endor 1, 2, and 3. And they have each have their own feel, but they also feel cohesive with what came before. And then, of course, you end with the big victory celebration. And it's just there's this whole sense of of, of like emotional movement throughout the entire film and I just I love the way that it starts and the fact that it is very moody because as an audience you're kind of wondering where this movie is going to go and this is your first time to see Luke and you don't get that kind of return of the Jedi moment until... He, you know, does the cool flip and the music blares. Like, that's the moment you know that Luke is actually the hero that you want him to be. Because before that, it's a little nebulous as he comes in, wearing all black, choking people, you know, trying to shoot Jabba. I mean, it's like you're kind of wondering which way this character is going to go. And the the music, I feel like, kind of really reflects the seedy nature of where we are. And uh, you know Jabba's ho- uh, palace and everything, and the fact that this plan could go wrong at any point because <laughs> it seems like a very strange plan.
1: Um, oh, okay. Uh, just as a timeout, I just want to say it's not a plan per se; it's crisis management. It's okay. that I, that makes it, sense. It's <laughs> it's that, that Luke keeps <laughs> throwing Jabba a bone. He's he keeps saying, "Okay, go ahead, let, let's try it," and. So Luke's plan is not like a solid plan the way that you and I would sit down and draw a plan for, okay, we're going to come in through here. We're going to come through the trap door and we're going to do this stuff. It's more that Luke sees the possible futures. And so it's like, all right, I'm going to send Chewie and Lando. All right, they didn't come back. More like
0: guidelines anyway.
1: Yeah, basically. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Sorry, I, I, I always grab onto that one because it's, it's Luke Skywalker crisis manager, and that's mm-hmm. the most beautiful thing yeah. about the beginning of the film. No, I, I agree with you. I, I
0: But I, I like the way, again, I was very struck by how this soundtrack starts off very foreboding. I mean, you know, of course, you got the Death Star approach, Vader coming on. Everything's very ominous and kind of creepy. And so you don't really get a moment that says, oh, our heroes are going to be okay until that cell barge assault, which is one of the best tracks of Star Wars ever because it's just so, and yes, I'm going to say it, it is joyful and triumphant. It is the return Amen. of the Jedi. It's everything you've ever want to see Luke do. Um, and that's kind of what you hoped the Jedi were like. And, and Luke really kind of finally become, and I think... You know, this is, I think, the thing that makes us all fall in love with Luke, honestly, is this scene, probably. Because I know, for me, there's something that captured my imagination about Luke in that scene, where it's like, okay, this guy is a total B.A. He is the coolest guy on the street. Uh, Han Solo who? You know, like, no, it's it's Luke Skywalker. It's, it's Luke freaking Skywalker.
1: Well, I and I think that musically, you get a very clear... Uh, a very clear signal of, like you said, where you are. But when it comes to those triumphant moments, it's there's a pulse to this soundtrack that is amazing uh, and the ebb and the flow. I think that this soundtrack also reflects a, a confidence that is that's always been there in the music, but there's this very much sense of... Everything coming together, like the Star Wars, each one of these is an amazing score, absolutely amazing score, worthy of awards and praise for all time. But Return of the Jedi is the culmination, just like the film itself, of everything that's come before, all coming together, and you, you're you hearing how it fits together. And uh, to speak to your point about approaching the Death Star, I honestly think that's one of the things that ever since I was a kid... I've always been drawn to the music, the visuals as well, of course. But that opening, I, I think it's the best opening of the original three. Because, yes, Star Wars, you have the you know, punch you in the teeth, starships coming overhead. Empire, you have a little, you know, okay, the ship's coming and the probe's going and then you get to Luke. So there's sort of a linear flow there. But Return of the Jedi musically pulls you in. It's this siren song where you're listening and you say, what's happening here? What's coming next? It feels alien and weird, which is unexpected, but, you know, with the third film and release order. But I think that, you know, you're talking about the music at the end, Battle of Endor 1, 2, and 3. You want to talk about how badly hampered this is by a single disc release. Oh, it's awful. It's it's just a travesty. As, as glad as I am to have Lapty Neck and Yub Nub Song added back in to the catalog, awesome. Grew up with them, love them, soft spot for them. But man, what you trade out to get those back? I mean, again, and we talked about this with the, the Star Wars and the Empire releases, the newest remastered release, I just, I don't get it, man. I don't get why you would go from such bountiful re-releases to purposely hamstringing yourself like that.
0: Well, I, yeah, why well, go backwards? Uh, it, yeah. it just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, I think it, there's a there's the other thing that they really add to is, you know, you don't think it could get much darker uh, than the Imperial March until the Emperor arrives and you get that really deep, choral... Feel for just who this guy is, and it, you know, it, it oozes Sithness, um, and it's it's really good work, and it really adds to the nature of the dark side through music to give you a sense of just how much danger Luke is really in, because we're we, we're not just dealing we're we're not just dealing with Vader now. We're dealing with the top dog. We're dealing with the guy especially if you watch chronologically you know that was able to get Anakin to turn so can he do the same thing with Luke you know and so the music really represents that i think in a way that makes your skin crawl but it's also just so great as a theme for evil because it's not one you don't enjoy listening to either that's the thing that john williams is so good at is creating themes that sound bad and evil for you know a, a villain but being enjoyable to listen to at the same time which that's that's a hard line to walk but he does it really well
1: and I think it also speaks to you, you know you talked about how there's an operatic thing here I think what a lot of people miss sometimes and I think that the music can really really tease this out is yeah you have the light-hearted stuff with the Ewoks and everything But in a very large sense, and the music very much illustrates this, it is a a counterpoint to some really dark stuff going on. Like, if this was, if you were to, like, remove the Ewoks, this is a depressingly dark film, everything that's going on. And when you listen to, even in the current single-disc release, if you listen to the track called The Emperor, that gives, it gives you chills, It's such, it's so amazing to me too because the Imperial March is an indelible piece of music. You can't separate it from anything having to do with Star Wars now. After it was introduced in Empire, it showed up everywhere in the music. At least a couple of bars here and there. But the Emperor's theme actually rivals it and is, you know... It's the only thing I could... When you listen to it, you go, I would have never thought this up, but this is the only thing I know of that could trump Vader's theme and also illustrate, just just in an aural sense, the difference in nature between the Emperor and Vader, how they are different. Vader is martial. Vader is imperial. We talked about this in our Tarkin episode. Vader's front lines. Vader's a hands-on general. And the Emperor is that creepy backroom guy. You don't want to hang out with him. You don't want to talk to him too long. You hope never to cross his path. And you could actually hear that. You put the two themes against each other. It's an amazing play off of each other. I completely agree with that because um,
0: you need something to differentiate between these two and to set them apart. Um, But at the same time, they have that link. As well, so both themes play so well with each other, and you can kind of mix and match with them. And Williams does that throughout parts, especially at this. You know, if you have the two disc edition in that second disc, he'll really use that when you get into, uh, you know, the lightsaber and then the the um the the Emperor's throne room and all of those things. He'll kind of mix and match those themes, and they just they tell you the story of the dark side and really what it is, is it just, it's musically it's unhopeful in any way, shape or form, you know, like it just like, it it makes you feel like, yeah, you're just stuck there, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And also let's, you know, so long as we're talking about those themes talk about, I mean, I still remember when Vader returns when he turns back to the to the light I remember you know seeing it for the first time you know and back in the day and everything it's it's an ending nobody saw coming what Darth Vader turned what what just happened but when you hear the treatment of this martial music this you know the the Imperial March when Vader dies is turned into a very sweet piece. With harps backing it up, and you suddenly realize what, I mean, what a true master Williams is to take something and then turn it on its head, and he hasn't changed the notes, he hasn't done anything except change the instrumentation and the speed of it a little bit, and all of a sudden it's an extremely heartbreaking piece of music and you feel this incredible pity for Anakin that if you would ask anybody after empire strikes back do you feel bad for Darth Vader? Oh hell no, I hope he burns. What are you talking about? And then it gets to that moment and you have this really sweet treatment of the imperial march and you just say oh oh I I'm sorry I wish it could have gone differently for you. Like how amazing is that to, to take your own piece of music and find a way to communicate the meaning of how there was always trapped inside this light that Luke just had to let go and get out there again. How amazing is that?
0: I I think that's one of the things that um,
1: is so beautiful
0: and well done with Williams when he, takes these themes and he makes you feel through music exactly what's happening on screen so you could do exactly what Williams and I think even um, Lucas would intend to you can you could turn off the dialogue and just have the music play and you'd know exactly what's happening you know like those old silent films. Um, where it's just music and it lets you know exactly how you're supposed to feel. That's exactly what this score does, because this score has so many small moments. It has all of these moments, like you know, the death of Obi Wan, his revelation, the um, the death of uh, uh the death of Yoda, excuse me, uh, and Obi Wan's revelation. Uh, you've got the the sweeping beauty of Luke and Leia, where it sounds. Again, so operatic. It has this kind of almost um, 1940s uh, "Gone with the Wind" type feel to it, where just the music just has you flowing with it. Like is is its waves of music, you just keep crashing upon you. And then you get to something like you know the fleet enters hyperspace, where it just really gives you that momentum as the the fleet jumps, you know, and it gives you this 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 jolt that you need. That come right out of what you just experienced with, you know, brother, sister, father, son, all of this heavy emotional stuff. And then the music brings you along with the heightened emotion of the fleet readying to attack the Death Star. It's just there's something that he is able to do where he's able to turn on a dime at any point and just flip your emotion whichever way it needs to go. And he does that so masterfully throughout this score. I think that's one of the things
1: that makes it really special. I agree. Two things uh, that come to mind. One, in the expanded uh, two-disc release, getting the music uh, that was cut from the film uh, when Obi-Wan was you know, revealing the past to Luke, it's so fascinating to me because just listening to that piece of music and understanding, like listening to it and then watching the scene and understanding that, even though there's this really cool music, the decision of the director and the editor and the sound editor to sit there and say, yeah, it's a good piece of music, but eh, we're not going to use it. Which also gets back to uh, in the film when Luke is confronting Jabba, uh, that it's the beginning music, it's the lead up to him flipping out on Vader on the Death Star, to Farm Boy flips out as I've, you know, a lot of people have <laughs> come to call the track, right? There's different music on the soundtrack, and they decided to flip it out, and it's really weird because it it would have worked either way. So it's it's interesting because were they trying to indicate that Luke is on the, the, the knife's edge of the dark side? Because later he's on the knife's edge of the dark side and the music comes back, so there, there's an interesting parallel there. Um, but, you know, Luke and Leia, that track, uh, because you, you know, you get that as a separate, uh, theme treatment, the way that you do, uh, pray to the Ewoks and then on Empire, you know, Yoda's theme and Vader's theme and Leia's theme on Star Wars and everything. I consider if you listen to Luke and Leia, the words I hear in my head is, oh, how I love you. I'm convinced that that piece of music is evidence that Williams didn't know that Leia was going to end up as Luke's sister. Because hear those words, oh, how I love you. And when you hear that and you listen to it, you go, yeah, he was writing a love theme. It's pretty crazy, isn't it? I, I mean, total conjecture on my part. I have no inside, inside knowledge. That's just how I interpret it in my brain.
0: No, I think I think you have a good point. And again, uh, the fact that it feels so sweeping in nature that it kind of has a a classic love theme feel to it, uh, you know, it, it has a reminiscence of uh you know when you think of across the stars. Uh, yeah. And, you know, again, I think of it it kind of feels like something you would have seen in in a Gone with the wind type of movie and yet I, I think it's also kind of neat in the end that it it comes to represent in this this familial relationship and this a coming back together of what had been broken by this father who throughout this the, at the end of this film is going to be redeemed and and I feel like it kind of brings full circle this whole thing of everything that was um, was bad as being made untrue, you know, uh, like mm-hmm. that. We are we are slowly eradicating the uh, the evils of the galaxy by this family finding itself again, and that family is rem- is the representation of the rest of the galaxy being able to find itself again through this, you know, thirty years of of, of evil, and which is fascinating when you think of it, as we talked about, you know, a few weeks ago, that it really is a blip on the radar of the galaxy, the Empire. Like it, you know, thousand years. Yes. You you know, this which lasts for just a split second.
1: Less than a generation.
0: Yeah. It's it's great. Um and I think the thing I really like about this too is that Williams finds another place here as well with the Ewoks to create a whole just different feel. like, And it gives you something very whimsical and fun and enjoyable and light, um, and it brings a lot of vibrance to a movie, like you said, that could be quite dark if it didn't have that. and um, And then he turns that when he does those Battles of Endor, where yeah. you know you see these that music get turned into sorrowfulness as you know, he walks are being slaughtered and you know yeah. it looks like all is lost and then you transition into the the battle with what's going on on the Death Star and those play back and forth in those battles of Endor one two and three and it just it's it's so good like Williams just has done such a great job of culminating everything and I think you really made a great point is that for him and it's interesting obviously he doesn't know that there will be a one two and three right but this still feels like a culmination of all of that in some ways which is a is a testament to who Williams is and the way that he would go back and retroactively do those soundtracks or one two and three to make them, fit into what we get oddly here in the original trilogy. And and it's just, there's so much going on in his brain. I feel like, man, I can't imagine what it'd be like to talk to him about working with these themes and how the inspirations come for, you know, these these different things. And and, and especially, I, I think it would be fascinating to learn retroactively how you go back and kind of create things that feel like they flow perfectly into what you've already done but not feel derivative and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just... Right. Re- regardless, Return of the Jedi, you know, we end up with some fascinating new themes. Uh One that I've always loved that they added from the two-disc expansion was the Baroque recital.
1: Yes, yeah, no, exactly. And that speaks to even your point about, you know, creating a uh, a feel for the different worlds. I it's it's amazing because we all focus on certain things from Return of the Jedi, but the the world building that he does with that baroque recital with Jabba's theme, which now we encounter in the Star Wars special edition, but it was our first time ever seeing Jabba and he, what I think is beautiful about the Baroque recital, but also about Jabba's theme itself is there's this menace and there's this foreboding, but at the same time there's, I don't want to say comical and it's not lighthearted, but there's this, there's this sense of the music that Jabba is an obstacle But he's not as important as he thinks he is. You know, like it's, and I think it's because he uses, you know, the, I I think like tuba or whatever, like it, which has always been associated with sort of like this comical sort of like type of music. Jabba's a villain, but he's not, he's not the emperor. You know, you hold Jabba's theme up against the emperor's theme, you know, who's coming out on top in this arrangement, you know? And, um, you know, I, I always used to be so baffled because Han Solo Returns at the court of Jabba the Hutt, which is on the single LP release and now on the single remastered release, always puzzled me as a kid because it has Jabba's full theme beyond what you hear in that moment. And there are so many other things with this re-release where, you know, it used to drive me nuts because the Rebel Briefing, is like Leia revealing the truth of you know her and Luke to Han, and then, uh, and then the funeral pyre with Vader, and it's like the music's never made like like it's. I think that the return. I think that the Return of the Jedi score and the the initial release, the LP, and then is really such a prime example of how naming conventions on. Uh, on on soundtrack albums were painfully inaccurate back then you know like the what they're describing wasn't actually what was going on during the music sort of thing and it's just it's such an interesting uh, switch
0: one of the things that i think um is always very interesting uh, is obviously people always love to talk about you know uh, Jedi Rocks versus Lofty Neck or Yub Nub versus you know the victory celebration and I you know for me the the, the music played in Java's Palace is the music played in Java's Palace I I don't really have strong feelings one way or the other I either one was fine you know um, honestly they they're both silly things. I mean they really are. It's just big goofy thing and George just made it bigger, you know. Um you know the the victory celebration and the yubnub, um I think that I I, I don't I don't dislike the yubnub at all, but I really do like the way that the victory celebration kinda ties everything together. And mm-hmm. especially with the way they did the special editions and we were going to all the different planets and seeing the victory. Uh, it it just seemed to kind of create a sense of like cohesion then with the prequels and all. And, and it made that six-part arc really strong, I felt like.
1: I have a strong um, nostalgic tie to both Lapty Neck and Yubnub. Uh, Lapty Neck. I also, I, I, I wish it was still included, just because one of the guys who wrote lyrics for it was Ernie Faselius, who uh, did a masterful parody of Star Wars called Hardware Wars, uh, oh, back in the so day. Good, and Ern, like, and I always love the fact that Ernie Faselius, Lucas, be, Lucas being Lucas. This is such a classic Lucas thing to do. Was like. You know, brought the kid on to, to do something on Return of the Jedi, so like I, you know, that's so neat. Um, Jedi Rocks is is fun. I agree with you. It's the music in Jabba's palace. One's a bigger production number. You know, I, it, either one is fine. I I have a nostalgic tie to Lappy Neck just because uh, in the making of uh, from Star Wars to Jedi, the making of a saga. You found out that um, it's a, it's a workout song. I'm shaping up and working out. Like it's it's basically a parody of the workout craze, like Jane Fonda, that was you know coming oh, yeah. in the, the yeah. mid eighties. I
0: can totally picture Jane Fonda doing a workout to this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, but with the Yub Nub song, I agree with you. The recut ending of Jedi victory celebration works a lot better. Both of them are great. Both of them were tailor-made for the film as it stood at that time. And in, I, including Yub Nub with the new ending wouldn't have made as much sense. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. Victory Celebration is a beautiful piece of music. And if anything, a very subtle... Uh, Evolutionary twist on the Emperor's theme. The Emperor's mm-hmm. theme, of course, is turned into a child's chorus at the end of the Phantom Menace, in you know a little audio Easter egg. And this is not that, but it shows that movement back toward the more innocent, hopeful, happy sort of music. It, it, it takes that movement that's there in the Emperor, and then. It says, "Okay, the world is reborn. Everything's better now." So I, I like I like victory celebration a lot.
0: Well, I always think it's interesting listening to uh, because they do alternative tracks on you know, uh, especially we uh, we get that on the Star Wars re release for the special editions. The you get like twenty minutes of George, John Williams doing the theme over and over and over again, playing that intro until you get to where you. Going to be with the opening. Right. Um, You also do that with uh, the Binary Sunset. Um, And then here you get the Sail Barge Assault and an alternative bonus track. And I think it's always interesting to see where John Williams ends up finally getting to with what you actually get. And he always has made the right choice. Um, And I think, you know, what you got with what's in the film and, of course, what's on the soundtrack for the sail barge is so much better than the alternative track because there's so much more joy to what he ended up doing, then there was still a bit of reticence to, I think, the, the bonus track where it wasn't quite as joyful and triumphant as it needed to be.
1: Well, I think the bonus track reflects uh, a, I, I think reticence is a good word on your part, a reticence to um, reuse uh, a previously mm-hmm. established, you know, a piece, uh, you know, and it, because it's basically repurposing at points uh, the the dogfight from Star Wars, and I'm glad they went whole hog for it, and I'm super glad because those hits at the beginning, you know, as the camera, you know, as you get the different shots of all of the different, you know, mm-hmm. bump, bump, yes. and having yep. the the strings in the background is a much better. Uh, choice. And I, I you know, oh, that track, that track, Return of the Jedi, is hands down just one of the most beautiful pieces in the entire saga. And I'm so, like, I could listen to it every day, uh, for the rest of my life without end. It's just so perfect and such a perfect illustration of how that entire, uh, that entire sequence is just, it's its own film. It's an amazing thing. It's its own movie. Just the sail barge attack works as a short film. It's, a, it's stunning. And uh, the music just undergirds that and, uh, and, and shows it off. It's, it's beautiful.
0: I love, you know, the the fact that we've been kind of just going through these soundtracks and getting to focus on the music of of John Williams and of Star Wars because, you know, I think that there is something that is so special about what he does for movies and, and when John Williams is one hundred percent on his game, he is creating an audio universe which is inseparable then from the visuals. Um, And it is inseparable from the creation of that universe so that whenever you see something from Star Wars, you know, I've got Star Wars things all over my room here, you know, the music inevitably comes into your brain as you look at, you know, a statue of Obi-Wan or, you know, you see Leia on your wall or, or, you know, uh, Count Dooku or, you know, just anybody that you see um, has a reflection from John Williams and the indelible mark that he left on the franchise and has left on the franchise and continues to leave on the franchise is phenomenal. Um, and I think that's the thing that I love so much about the work that he's done. And, and, and honestly, you know, he did this for so many franchises, you know, mm-hmm. Harry Potter, Superman. Jaws, Indiana Jones. I mean, the list is endless of the franchises to which his music is synonymous with the sounds of that universe. And I, I think that that is something that's really special. And, and that's why, for me, he is the ultimate in you know film composition because he has been able to do that continuously over and over and over again for so many years. And uh, it's going to be, I think, a very interesting thing to dive into uh, the, the sequel trilogy now and see where John Williams takes us
1: next. I agree. Uh, but I, I can definitely say for now that uh, you declared Empire your favorite soundtrack uh, last time, and I take nothing away from it. I absolutely love that score. But for me, all day, every day, I could listen to Return of the Jedi. This is, of the original trilogy, this is the masterwork. This is Mm -hmm. the one that I will go to without fail every time. And I just think it's an absolutely brilliant piece that, to speak to your point from earlier, uh, works as its own opera. And even independent of the film, it's just magnificent. Top to bottom.
0: I mean, I I couldn't agree with you more, man. Uh, and I I got I'm really you know excited to to dive into the rest of the scores and and you know I mean what's fascinating and always fun is to to look forward to the fact that there is a brand new John Williams score coming in 2019 with yeah. Star Wars Episode Nine as we most likely will wrap up the you know the saga films. So fascinating to see what he'll do as he uh, again <laughs> tries to bring the story all
1: to a close. So yeah, one last time.
0: <laughs> one last time again. <laughs> yeah,
1: one last time for the third time.
0: <laughs> but um, you know, John, it, it's been so much fun talking about all this, but and if anybody wants to catch up with you and talk about the, you know, their favorite tracks from Return of the Jedi, or uh, just talk about anything else that's going on. Man, where can they find you?
1: Oh, just look for Castle Kessel Junkie, K-E-S-S-E-L-J-U-N-K-I-E. Uh, you'll find me on Twitter. You'll find me on Goodreads. You'll find me on Letterboxd, uh, just talking about things. You can find me co-hosting uh, Words of Nerds with uh, with my pal Craig. And, of course, you can uh, find me uh, in the new year, uh, coming back from a very long hiatus uh, it's going to be great shot, kid, right here on the Nerd Party Network. Um, so, but I mean, I am, I am but a, a uh, simple man making his way through the galaxy, Matt. Where can people find you on the internet?
0: Well, uh, you know, if you'd like to find me, you can find me uh, honestly all over the place under the moniker Matt Rushing. So, uh, to Instagram, Twitter, uh, I'm even on uh, that Tumblr thing uh, and Letterboxd as well. So make sure you check out all those places. Just search for Matt Rushing02. Uh, you can find me here on the network talking about Harry Potter each and every week with Drea Kaufman. Uh, we were walking through Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. So I hope you'll join us. It's been a blast doing that show. And we actually, it's crazy, we're about to hit 100 episodes on that 100. show.
1: 100!
0: I wow. know, which is. Actually, the midpoint for the entire podcast. So wow, um, yeah, it, it's it's really cool. So we're excited. Uh, you can also find me over on the Trek FM network. I'm doing two shows over there. I do the Orb with Chris Jones, talking about Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. And then I'm also doing the 602 Club, which is our General Geek Show, and we talk about all the franchises we love. And then last but not least, you can find me over on Cinema Stories with my good friend Courtney talking about films through the lens of faith. But John, I think after all this, there's only one thing left to say. I think it's time to close negotiations. Young Master
1: Rushing. Negotiations. Are close
0: join the revolution join the nerd party hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing